0: And I was standing next to my girl just being like, I'm shaking so much, what do I do? She's like, just ch- chillax, you'll we'll be fine. Don't worry about it, just do, what, do your job, you're there to do it. That's why you've got this strip on.
1: Welcome to another Cricket Scotland podcast. It's great to have your company once again. Today I'm joined by one of Scotland's up-and-coming young stars as well as one of the coaches who've been working with her along the way. It's been a fantastic year for Karis Scott, which has seen her take her international bow for Scotland, as well as a trip to Australia for a winter of club experience with EMP Ladies Cricket Club in Melbourne. And it's great to welcome her here today, along with EMP coach, Neil Gray, who joins us down the line from Melbourne. A very warm welcome to you both.
0: Hi, man.
1: Hi, Jake. So Karis, a fantastic opportunity to go to Australia. Tell us about the experience. Yeah, it
0: was a great experience. I didn't expect to go to Australia at that age. And just to meet everyone over there was, like, amazing. Like, can't describe it in words, really.
1: How, how did it all come about?
2: Gordon Drummond was at an ICC coaching conference with um, uh, one of our players who works for Cricket Australia, Brianna Bench, and um, he mentioned to Brianna that he was really keen to set up a programme where um, some young Scottish players would come over and, and spend the uh, summer Playing for us, and um, Brianna said, Oh, do you realise that our coach is actually Scottish? So that would that would work out pretty well. And Drummond had no idea, he thought I was still in New Zealand. So, um, yeah, so that, that kind of all worked out really well. And then Noxie got involved, and, and we went from there.
0: Noxie mentioned it to me that there's an opportunity to go to Melbourne just to experience a whole new side of cricket. And then he put me in contact with Neil, FaceTimed with Lou, the president of the club. And just chatted about all the other extra things that I needed to know. The facilities were amazing, like the club at EMP was just like it's massive. <laughs> Huge.
2: Karis had the perfect attitude that you'd want any overseas player to have coming into a club. She she never missed a session, she got stuck right in, um, wasn't afraid to ask questions, was always um on hand to, to help out with any little thing around the club, whether that was making coffee for um, the old uh, ladies that used to play for us that still come down and support every week or just running drinks when um, when she wasn't playing that day because she played the day before or was playing the day after. So, yeah, she was quite rightly awarded the um, the uh, award for uh, best club person at the end of the year. So, it's pretty stoked.
0: One of the highlights for me was probably the game against Box Hill when we needed 16-off seven balls and I came in and dotted the ball and then went to one over to get sixteen runs and benchy just knocked it out of the park basically, running twos every ball hitting fours. That's probably my main highlight of the whole experience.
1: So what what do you feel it gave to you just having that winter completely new experience, completely new surroundings, completely different facilities? What are you gonna take away from that to bring back to Scotland?
0: Probably more knowledge of how to adapt to games better like the conditions and all that that's around and just keeping an eye on different players and how to adapt to what's in front of you.
1: And Neil, how was it for the team over the season? How, how did it end up?
0: Yes, yeah, the way it's structured up
2: uh, over here, there's eight women's clubs um, that play in the two divisions and then um, regional divisions below that. Um, so at, at Essendon and Maribyrnong Park, we have three sides, so a first seconds and a third and then it's split into two sections of the season we play the t20s first to match up with the wbbl so um we're really lucky and that we have a lot of contracted players i think we had six or seven contracted players this year across um three franchises so whilst that's ideal for the club and it's what we want to push the players on to the higher levels it does um Create some juggling and a lot of team movement when we get those girls back. So Karis was right on the edge of she played um, probably 50% of the 2020s in the ones and the other 50% in the twos. Um, But that meant that across the the club we were really strong and both teams made the T20 finals. Um, The ones won uh, against Peran, and the the twos, unfortunately, went down by three runs, I think, to Box in the in the final, which Karras which played in. So, great to get both teams to the final. Unfortunately, we could only get one across the line. Um, and then, in the uh, second half of the season, we played the, the one-day format. And we were the way the season worked out, we were able to have a lot more of the Australian players available there. Um, we obviously lost. Uh, Molly Strano and Georgia Wareham to the World Cup, but we were lucky that we had um, Elise Valani um, available for the whole back half of the season, and um, she she got us uh, along with um, the rest of our senior players through to the um, through to the first eleven grand final, which unfortunately we won the semi, and then everything got shut down. But um, Craig Victoria, I think correctly said that, uh, the highest ranking team would be the, the premiers. So, uh, yeah, we were awarded the, the first grade title and then the, the two just missed the finals. Um, they came fifth, but, um, a combination of, of both the team's results meant that we won the club championship as well. So we won the treble, which is the, um, first time that's ever been done, which is, um, obviously a great honor for the club. And, um, like I said, right at the start, Paris played across both grades, so had a, had a hand in, in all of that success. Um, yeah, we're, we're really proud, really proud of the season, despite slightly strange ending, I suppose.
1: Fantastic. When you compare women's cricket in the UK to women's cricket in Australia, what what are the main differences that you're seeing in terms of, of its profile, apart from anything else?
0: Higher profile. It's like there's a lot more girls playing, like you see them out all the time, going for a net or just hitting balls anywhere they are. And just the standard's quite a lot higher as well at club level. Like you're almost playing at regional or higher. It's like a big difference.
2: Yeah, I think there's a genuine career option. Even in even in England, it's only really a career option for the girls that are contracted um, to the national squad um in Australia the state players it's a genuine career for them so like I said we uh, we had four or five contracted girls this year and their full-time job was to train so they would train four times a week and then play for us in the weekends or play for the play for the state side um, and that that obviously has an effect we're we're lucky um, at the club that the girls that we have and its it's through design rather than um, choice are really committed to putting back into the club as well so even though they don't train as such in terms of hitting balls and bowling balls they still come to training and they work with um, the players whether that's around technical tactics games for australia but she's played a lot of games for the she's the record game holder for the renegades and has taken wickets in wbbl people like genuinely know who she is um when she's when she's um playing for club cricket and stuff so people actually come and watch like she has fans that come and watch her play club cricket so that obviously lifts the, the profile a little bit and Australia, to their credit and Craig of Victoria as well make a real effort to promote the game like our, our finals are live streamed um, when we get there um, and they do their best to make sure that everything that the first grade men side get the same thing happens to the first grade women and, and something like that so there's they, they do their best for there to be absolute parity where they can
1: Do you think that all ties in to the differences between Australia and the UK culturally, uh, that it's football in the in the in the winter, it's cricket in the summer. Distinctions that used to be very much the case in the UK, which are maybe now a bit more blurred, are still very strong in Australia.
2: Yeah, cricket is definitely the, the summer. Well, yeah, at the minute, cricket is definitely the summer game, and footy AFL definitely the the winter game. And AFL, their women's competition started three years ago, and it's coming hard. There's going to be a genuine choice of pathways for, for girls there's a girl that played with Karis this year, um, Neve Crowley who, who was similar to Karis, went between R1s and 2s um, she'd be a year younger than Karis, I think, maybe a bit more than that and she, she's a genuine chance to get drafted to the AFL um, next year so she'll have to make a choice we had a couple of other girls that had both played state cricket as well Um, that no longer play cricket for us because they've chosen to go down the AFL route. And every AFL club in Australia is equivalent to Rangers and Celtic. If they say you can't do something, as in play cricket because you're a contracted footy player, then you you don't play cricket because you're a contracted footy player. So tough for the girls, but footy is one of those things that will probably have a four or five year career there at the top level, and then they'll they'll be able to come back to cricket afterwards, hopefully. Um, so that's what um, we keep in touch with them, and and we'll see what happens. But yeah, like you say, there's a real, I guess, clear delineation between a summer sport and a winter sport, and I think a lot of it comes down to the fact that the grounds are shared as well. So, like Kara said, we've got a really nice club rooms um, as part of our facilities, and and part of that stands to the fact that for the other six months of the year, it's being used by the, the footy club as well. So the council um, tip in a fair bit of money to, to make these facilities look nice because they're going to be used 365 days a year almost.
1: So, Gary if I can turn back to yourself, what was it that got you into the game in the first place?
0: Yeah, well, my dad and papa used to play, so I always used to go up to the club on a Friday night where they'd all be playing, and I'd just go outside and play and one hand one bounce or something for all the kids and just proper get into it and, like, You'd be there for hours until it's dark, at like twelve o'clock at night, still out playing cricket. Just you're up there every day, just hitting a ball. I moved on to under elevens at gala, then under fourteens, then into the seconds. Then one day, Catherine White was up playing for the men's at for St Boswells, and she mentioned the women's team in St Boswells. So I played for them for four years maybe. Then they kind of like they kind of like died out, so there wasn't a lot of people going. Then. I moved to Carlin Ladies, and that's where it kind of like picked off a bit more. And the training was, there was like 13 people at training. I was like, geez, this is loads of people.
1: And you're very much involved in the regional series as well.
0: Yeah, the Eagles came out on top last year, winning the Cup. So that was a good day. <laughs> <laughs> then just all the games in that are very competitive. Always a bit of chat going on behind the stumps or something, keeping everyone going.
1: And as I was saying before, the the Australia trip put the icing onto what was a a really memorable year for you, which culminated in your your international debut against Germany last June. How special was that at the age of 17 to be lining up for Scotland in an international for the first time?
0: I mean, the nerves were going quite a bit. (laughs) I remember when I was lining up, like getting ready to bat, the order kept on changing. And I was standing next to my girl just being like, I'm shaking so much, what do I do? She's like, just chillax. you will be fine. Don't worry about it. Just do what, do your job. You're there to do it. That's why you've got this strip on. So it's just that my mum and dad were there as well. And it was just nice for them to be there for that as well.
1: Yeah, and and the game itself. Do you have really strong memories of that, or is it like a blur?
0: It's just a bit of a blur for me. Just remember standing there singing the anthem at the start, and that's really it.
1: You've just mentioned them, in fact, but there's no way we can leave that game without talking about Mum and Dad, who are an integral part of that very noisy and incredibly dedicated group of fans that follow you all around uh, around the world. Dad, in his kilt, caused quite a stir on the ICC coverage, I remember. How special is it to have them alongside you as well?
0: Yeah, they're a great support, driving me hundreds, thousands of miles each year. They're probably sick of me, hoping I pass my driving tests <laughs> and just having them there every game, basically, it's nothing better, really.
2: Caris's dad's a bit of a legend at EMP as well. He uh, he phoned us uh, one one Sunday morning just to just to check in, just check how we were going, and uh, wanted to wanted to speak to the players, give us a bit of a motion, motivational team talk. So that was great. We we'll used the PC version of that story, yeah, Caris? <laughs>
1: so that. Game against Germany, which was in the qualifier, what turned out to be the, the, the World Cup qualifier in Lamanga. Manga, it wasn't your only international experience of the summer as you opened the batting then with Sarah Bryce against Highland in the, the quadrangular in the Netherlands that was the warm-up for the T20 World Cup qualifier that followed. Sadly, you, you were ruled out of that tournament, though. What's, uh, what was it that happened?
0: I got concussion, so I got ruled out. I got sent home a few days after once I got cleared by the doctor. But just being experiencing that at the start and getting to play a couple of games before I had to go home was a great experience. And just being out there with Sarah, she's a cool head. You can hit a ball anywhere you want, really. But hopefully the Commonwealth qualifiers coming up then World Cup qualifiers then hopefully a World Cup at some point in the future.
1: Now, Neil, as we've alluded to before, the lack of, of an Aussie twang in your accent leaves no doubt as to your origins too. Can you tell us about your background? How did you come to find yourself coaching Down Under?
2: So I... um. I grew up in Ayr, played, only ever played for one club in Scotland. I um, got picked up playing school cricket, um, me and my little brother, um, by Grant Stanley, who was the pro at Ayr at the time, and was the pro at Pressford for a while as well. Um, he got us down to Old Canberstoon, and um, I would have been, I don't know, 11 or 12, something like that, and yeah, just played all my junior cricket there. Captain the under 18s for a while, captain the threes, captain the twos. Scored for the first eleven when I was still at school. Yeah, made like lifelong friends, like my best man, who played with me there. Loved every minute of it. it was my it was my life to um, not put too fine a point on it. Me and Andy McElnay, who's still captain Society, the side, and Ross Mitchell, who actually is the bar manager now there. Um, got a really cool opportunity to go over to New Zealand and play um, for Brendan Bracewell's academy side there for a season. So Andy and Ross went for the full seven months. I went for four months because I was working at the time. And I loved New Zealand so much that I uh, came back in March of that year and said to my mum and dad, I'm not going not gonna to go back to work till... Work for one of the cricket boys for the summer and find a job in New Zealand because I want to live there. And they were like, okay, they thought I'd maybe go for a year or two and, and come back. So Matt Horn was the pro at air at the time and he, um, he really helped me, put me in touch with some people in Auckland and went over there um, two years as a club development manager for one of their clubs there. And then did my coaching qualifications in New Zealand. And I uh, got a job with Auckland Cricket as their schools and coach development manager. I uh, was working with the women's state side there as their um, spin bowling coach. Did that for three years and then got the opportunity to come over to Melbourne and do a very similar job for Cricket Victoria. They took me to do like my day job, but also understood that they had a new coach as well of their women's programme at the time. Uh, Barry Nevan, and, and he was really keen to have me involved as a spin bowling coach for the women's state side, and um, that was pre WBBL. So the women's state side did T20 and one days, and then the WBBL came along a couple of years later, and they split the coaching staff between the stars and the renegades. And I got um, I got put with the renegades, which I loved as well. So did that for all up five years, I think, and um, alongside that, I was playing club cricket myself over here for um, Camberwell Magpies, and then my son was born three years ago, and I stopped playing and um, decided to just go full-on into coaching, and um, like I said, because I knew a lot of the girls that we have in the side from my time with the the Stateside and the Renegades, um, when the president before Lou um, asked me if I'd be interested I, I jumped at the chance because hopefully we've, we've put across it's a real family environment so Freddie comes down regularly to our games and runs around um, with loads of kids whether they're players' kids nieces, nephews, stuff like that around the club all the time so it's uh, it's been a really, I've been really lucky I suppose and in my career pathway there's I've coached on the MCG got to go to T20 finals and, and BBL finals and stuff like that so um yeah have been really lucky still still all started at Canberstown I suppose and um I was never I did some stuff with uh, Mike Stanger and the Western Regions and and Wrighty and stuff like that and yeah it's just uh Bizarre to think, which is why I suppose Like, I came back when I took my wife back when we got engaged. I It was before Tarris was in the squad. I have known Carrie for a long time as well, and I ran a session with the um, Wildcats back then. So it was before Kirsty was even in the England squad, so I did a bowling session with her at Stirling, um And the rest of the girls, so Abby, Annette, uh, Ollie Ray was still in the squad then, so yeah. Any any chance I can get to, I guess help out cricketers from Scotland. Like I always try and go out above and beyond because um, I think that it's still so much passion in the game for little reward for the people that do it in that country. That um, any way that I can help the little kind of benefits I've got over here, I definitely will.
1: Yeah, uh, wonderful to have the opportunity to work with Carison and to establish that connection with the Scottish game again.
2: Yeah, and I uh, like Oxy, obviously, obviously um, really passionate about it as well. Like He was having monthly Skype meetings with me, checking in on how Karis was doing and following the results and everything like that. So to have someone like him like running the programme as well, taking over from uh, Carrie, they're obviously totally different people but I think they've both got really strong uh, opinions on how the game can improve and
1: how the game can grow Gareth we, we talked about mum and dad before um, but there's one more companion who is an ever present when you're playing as well that we, we can't not speak about, uh, tell us about Cody.
0: Yeah, the wee Westie that comes along to almost every game that he's allowed to just gets cuddles off everyone, goes to anyone that he sees cricket, he just watches cricket he just sits there and watches it doesn't care what's going about around him. When you say cricket, his head keeps on turning, his ears go up, you just chuck him away and he's gone. You see him in a couple hours.
1: So Neil, did you see any evidence of Caris of the Dog lover in Melbourne? Uh,
0: yeah, so I've
2: got I got a puppy in January, so he had to come to games with me after Christmas and at least Felani's got a dog as well, um, who comes to all the games as well. So there were my dog called Rufus, who's a an Airedale Terrier, um little boy and Junior's uh got a girl dog and um she uh she's a bit of a bit of a princess, I think it's fair to say. So Karis ended up with responsibility for both uh Rufus and, and Junior's dog uh, on the regular occasion and, and did a sterling job with them. Um the the real funny story with Karis and the dogs though was so our ground is um, has a running track around it where footy teams go for running. You see joggers all the time, um, and people walk their dogs. And it's basically a deep long on and deep long off of our cricket nets. So there was... <laughs> Paris was batting and bombed one of the spinners. Beautiful shot. Like, it would probably have been a one-bounce score or maybe a six in the game. But there was this poor... Um, poor three-legged dog just ambling along behind its owners that um, might have taken a glancing blow from Karis's, uh long-on drive, and uh, our young Kiwi player had to go and uh, retrieve it before her uh, owner noticed that she'd been struck by Karis's, uh ball. Who was looking mortified in the net whilst uh, all this was going on. Yeah, that happened.
0: But I shouted sorry. So. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so to finish with Karis, um you just earned 18 earlier this month uh, congratulations again of course on your 18th birthday so what's next for you in your in your wider life
0: yeah, i'll probably have to get a job and start earning some money yeah just something anything to start with then probably get my coaching levels and then probably do some coaching and get on from there
1: and as a cricketer you've got so much time ahead of you have you set yourself short or, or long-term goals or are you just taking it all as it comes
0: obviously the dream is to get to a world cup and just take that atmosphere in from then then probably just take it as it goes as well
1: and the return to australia on the cards
0: yeah definitely <laughs> as long as neil will take
2: it we'd be happy to just carry us back at, at any point you know like i think the she made some great relationships with the with the girls here and um yeah, like the the game here will continue to grow and the competition from the other sides will will keep coming up so um as Paris's cricket continues to improve, like she'll make a real difference.
1: Well, it's been a great pleasure to speak to you both, Neil. Thanks so much for letting me take up your evening in particular. And and Karis. really looking forward to seeing you and the family and Cody, of course, uh, on the boundary again very soon. And thanks to you, as always, for listening. I'll be back soon with another Cricket Scotland podcast. But until then, look after yourself and goodbye.